Hello, and thank you so much, Steelers Nation, for jumping on to the first ever episode of Steelers To Go, your daily to-go cup of Pittsburgh Steelers news and analysis. I'm your host, Noah Strackbine, here every single Monday through Friday. Find us on youtube.com slash Talk or anywhere that you get your podcast. Today, we're going to be talking Steelers OTAs and really the best words of advice I ever got about the Pittsburgh Steelers OTAs and minicamp is that not much happens, but it lets you know who's relevant and who's just being talked about. And that's who we're going to talk about today. First off, the Steelers do have some undrafted free agents to keep an eye on. That's never going to change. This team always seems to find a diamond in the rough and you could go back to Mike Hilton or you could use James Pierre as an example and say sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. And that's going to be the case this year. However, the first person we got to talk about is Tyree Johnson out of Texas A&M. 18 sacks, 23 and a half tackles for loss over the course of his career. And people wonder how did he get passed up 262 times before the Pittsburgh Steelers grabbed him after the NFL draft. Well, I'll give you a little insight. For one, I was part of that group that Mark Caboli was talking about when he said, Mike Tomlin showed up. He said, hey, one second, guys. I got to go take a look at this guy over here. And he was talking about Johnson. He did. He went over. And then afterwards, when he was talking to media and doing his interview, he said, yeah, it's not very hard to not fall in love with a player here at Rookie Minicamp. And that's obvious. You know, this is Rookie Minicamp. There's no pads on. It's really easy to say somebody's going to get hyped up for no reason whatsoever, just like people get hyped up going into OTAs and going into Rookie Minicamp. It's it's nothing really crazy. That's just what the public does. It's what the media does. It's what, it's what I do. I mean, I put out an article today saying five players that you must watch at Steelers OTAs. And yeah, I tossed Johnson in there. Why? Because right now he's the talk of the town. Right now he's the guy that everybody wants to know about. So why not put him in there as a player to watch? But that's all we're doing is simply watching. All right. 18 sacks, 23 and a half tackles for loss during his time as an Aggie. Impressive. Nothing super crazy, but definitely impressive. So how did he get passed up by 32 teams through seven rounds? Well, he dealt with two injuries. He was dealing with a calf injury all throughout his senior season. Obviously, that's going to linger. Obviously, that's going to hold you back. And then when you go into medical evaluations with teams, it's obviously going to pop up and people are going to have questions and they're going to hold back your potential because of it. On top of that, when he went to the East-West Shrine Bowl and said, hey, I'm here. I'm going to do stuff. He ran the 40. Boom. Quad injury. Now he's got major concerns. Now teams are saying, okay, this guy got injured twice while trying to audition for NFL teams. That's not a good sign. Here we are. He's been passed up. He's an undrafted free agent. Who wants to take a risk on him? Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers have no other options but to take a risk on him. Unless you're out there saying Jannard Avery is the guy that's going to back up TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith all season, unless you're saying Derek Tushka is the answer at outside linebacker depth, you have to take a shot on Tyree Johnson. And maybe that doesn't pan out. Maybe the Steelers are in another Melvin Ingram situation where they head into training camp and they go, okay, we really need some veteran depth. And they go find somebody who, who that is. I mean, that's still up for interpretation, but right now 
Tyree Johnson looks like a good option. He's a, he's a fast dude. He's very strong off of the line. And I think at very worst, he could be a quality run stuffer here for the Pittsburgh Steelers, someone that works well with Alex Highsmith and what that Alex Highsmith role does. But he's still an undrafted free agent, and he's still somebody that you have to look at and you have to say, okay, you know, boom or bust is huge, and we might overreact to things early because he's an undrafted free agent. People do this. They did it with James Pierre. James Pierre picked off Ben Roethlisberger two times in his sophomore season, and everybody, including myself, said, oh, man, this guy is the starter. He's the answer at cornerback. They just found another diamond in the rough. This dude's related to Lamar Jackson. Boom. It's over. This guy is definitely the cornerback of the future for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cam Sutton, what are we even talking about? Joe Hayden, you're on your way out. James Pierre is the guy. Here we are a year later, and the Steelers are really hoping that Akello Witherspoon is that guy, Levi Wallace is that guy, and Cam Sutton ain't going anywhere because he's the most reliable guy out of the group. So you have your misses. Then you have your hits. You know, Mike Hilton was a guy that everybody was like, oh my gosh. What an undrafted rookie season. This dude is unstoppable. Comes in as a sophomore in the NFL. People are like, okay, you know, you, you can't hype him up too much, but he was a really good guy, a guy who really played like a Pittsburgh Steeler last season. Boom, even better season. Third year, boom, even better season. And eventually he became probably the most reliable slot corner in the NFL. And I I truly believe that outside of Jalen Ramsey, he is the most reliable slot corner, especially when it comes to blitzing. Nobody blitzes like Mike Hilton. So you have your hits. You have your misses. Tyree Johnson's a guy that we just have to look at, closed book, and say we'll see what he has to offer. First thing is he's got to stay healthy. If he gets hurt, chances are his career is over before it starts, at least in Pittsburgh. Now, if he doesn't get hurt, this could be another Tushka situation where he comes in here and has a pretty quality year and plays quality reps for a guy that nobody saw coming. It could be a skipper, Tuzar skipper, where everybody says, oh my gosh, this is the preseason answer. This guy is unstoppable. And then he got cut and he's barely played in the NFL since. You don't know. And that's the thing is right now, all we're seeing is a guy who's going to play behind two quality starters. Chances are he's going to play even behind the second string guys. And he's going to be a third string depth piece that has to prove himself and really work into a lineup that will come once preseason comes. And honestly, TJ Watt will not play much if all in the preseason, Alex Highsmith will play very little in the preseason. So we will get our answers, but right now it's a, can this guy compete at the NFL level? Is he being overhyped? Because if he's not being overhyped, we have something to watch for in the preseason. That's guy one to watch guy two, Mitchell Trubisky. Obviously, this is the first time the Pittsburgh Steelers fans, media, everybody that's not in the clubhouse every single day has an opportunity to see the guy that the Pittsburgh Steelers signed to be the starting guy, even though they didn't want to say that he's the starting guy for the first time. This is the first time we get to see Mitchell Trubisky throw passes to hopefully Deontay Johnson if he shows up, hopefully Chase Claypool if he shows up. Definitely George Pickens, definitely Calvin Austin, definitely Pat Fryermuth. This is the opportunity to see who is Mitchell Trubisky. It's been a long time since he's been a starting quarterback in the NFL. Two years, yeah, successful starting quarterback, which is where I'm putting that base mark, maybe somewhere around three or four years since we've seen that. Everybody could talk, oh, well, he played behind Josh Allen. Oh, well, he learned so much in Buffalo. 
We have no idea. We have no idea what he learned in Buffalo. We have no idea how much better he got working behind Josh Allen. All we know is Mitchell Trubisky came here. Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert saw something in him. Chances are Brandon Hunt had a little bit to do with that as well. And they're going to hope that he could turn into the 11-3 and guy that he was four or five years ago where he threw 24 touchdowns to 12 interceptions and 3,200 yards. That's who they're hoping for. They're hoping that he adds enough enough athletic ability to say, hey, this guy could run the Matt Canada offense and he could run it well. That's who the Pittsburgh Steelers want to see here. Now, I do have to give it to him. This is a lot of pressure. You could say whatever you want about Mason Rudolph and saying, oh, well, Mason Rudolph is under the most pressure because the fans hate him. And on top of that, he has to now come in and compete with not two, but three guys just for a roster spot. Well, if I'm Mason Rudolph, I want to get out of here as quickly as possible. This place is not where you're going to build your career. It's not anywhere where the fans want you to build your career. And truthfully, the coaches and, and the staff have said, Mason, we don't really trust you to be a starting quarterback. And tying the winless Detroit Lions is a prime example that, uh, yeah, well, maybe, maybe he shouldn't be trusted as a starting quarterback. That's okay. Mitchell Trubisky is under a lot of pressure. He was the deemed starter for four weeks. And even then, everybody said, okay, well, if they draft Malik Willis, he's not ready to play in the NFL for at least a year, maybe two. So this is Mitchell Trubisky's team. Then they went out and they got Kenny Pickett. And now they're sitting here and everybody's going, well, Kenny Pickett is ready to start. Kenny Pickett is a guy that's ceiling might not be super high, but his floor is pretty much Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell's got to show that yeah, well, right now I'm not the Mitchell Trubisky everybody's talking about. I'm a little bit better. Do I think that's going to happen? I have no idea. And I think it's too early to tell. And I even honestly, I think that OTAs is too early to tell. I think that training camp will be the first glimpse of who runs this offense better. And right now it'll just be, is Mitchell Trubisky ready to be a leader for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Can he build that camaraderie with the wide receivers with Pat Fryermuth with that offensive line. Nothing huge, nothing really deeming or nothing that will cement a starting quarterback here in OTAs. Just a really good time to see Mitchell Trubisky throw a football for the Pittsburgh Steelers and see, hey, you know, maybe he's got it, maybe he doesn't. And you could tell because Mason Rudolph, you could see from time to time, just doesn't have it. Does He doesn't have what it is to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Kenny Pickett came in here. He looked like a guy that held confidence. He looked like a guy that just walked out the door like he did every time for pit practice, and he came in here to demand a team. That's who Kenny Pickett looked like during rookie minicamp. Mitchell Trubisky needs to be that guy that says, this is my team, this has been my team, nothing's going to change. <clears throat> Number three, this is not one player. This is a group of players because we still have no idea what's happening with the offensive line. The Pittsburgh Steelers brought in Mason Cole. They brought in James Daniels. They re-signed Chooks, and apparently they got all the faith in the world in Dan Moore Jr. to be that guy at left tackle. I don't know how it's going to work out, and neither does anybody else. All everybody keeps talking about is, oh, this is what the offensive line will look like. Oh, this is what the offensive line should look like. Oh, Kendrick Green should be benched. Kevin Dotson is still Kevin Dotson. Let's give him an opportunity. Mason Cole is going to be center. James Daniels is going to be center. Who's going to be the backup tackle? We have. We have no idea what's about to happen here at OTAs, but it is a reason to look at it and say, this is exciting. This is very, very 
exciting because the Pittsburgh Steelers, for one, they need to set some groundwork. They need to let everybody know, hey, this is what's going to happen because last season they went in there and they made Kevin Dotson prove himself to be the starting left guard. And that was a waste of time because Rashad Coward didn't even make the team and he shouldn't have made the team because he he's not that good. Kevin Dotson had to work his way through. Yeah, maybe sparked a flame or whatever. And you can believe the reports that he came in out of shape and People in the front office were upset with him, but truthfully, he should have been the starter from the jump, and it would have meshed way better moving into the season. Then you had the tackles bouncing all over the place, and I get that had a lot to do with Zach Banner's recovery and his inability to get onto the field, but this year, they can't take that risk. They can't say, oh, people have to earn their spots. Oh, we're going to bounce a bunch of pieces around and see what meshes the best because all last season, all Mike Tomlin, Trey Turner, Kendrick Green, Chooks, banner everybody said was continuity is going to be the key to this group and they never had any continuity it doesn't take 17 weeks to build a meshing offensive line it takes an entire year it takes the summer it takes otas it takes minicamp it takes every single day to say these are the five guys that should be on the field these are the five guys that we're going to mesh together on the football field we're not going to move pieces around Nobody should be able to try out. You want to know how you have to try out? By being the backup and proving, hey, I'm way better than this guy in front of me, but I'm doing it with the backups. And then somebody says, okay, well, hey, let's go try him at the starting line because the starter isn't as good as him. Don't be mixing and matching while you're trying to find that collective five. Pick a five, let it rock. If it doesn't work, switch it up, but switch one piece, maybe switch two pieces. Don't be switching a whole offensive line around because if you do, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be looking just like they were in 2021 with probably the worst offensive line in football. That being said, this is my collective five that I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers will rock with at the beginning of OTAs and move forward with until proven otherwise. Dan Moore at left tackle, Kevin Dotson at left guard, which I don't believe will last very long. Kendrick Green at center, which I also don't believe will last very long. James Daniels at right guard and Chooksakor for at right tackle. Mason Cole will be the new BJ Finney that just moves around. And truthfully, I think that's where he belongs. Kendrick Green, I would love to see move to a guard position, but we'll see what happens there. I think they're going to give him another shot at center. He didn't play well, even slightly at center last season, but the Steelers aren't about giving up on guys, especially guys that they took in the third round a.k.a. Chooks Corfor, and why he's still the starter, has a new contract, and has another year to prove himself on top of the Pittsburgh Steelers not adding any depth to the tackle position through the NFL draft to even compete with him. So that's who I believe the starting five will be heading into OTAs, but that's a big if, and that, that will change. That will most certainly change. The key to that change is the Steelers need to let people prove it. They can't be mixing and matching trying to find the best five. Pick a five. Let them rock. If it doesn't work, move a piece or two around, but you have to find that continuity now and not come week one of the NFL season. Otherwise, Najee Harris is in for a boatload of trouble. Which leads us to number four. Anthony McFarland. Obviously, somebody who had high expectations coming into the NFL, or maybe not coming into the NFL, but coming into year two, didn't hit those expectations. Honestly, didn't hit any expectations. I was a guy who pushed the Anthony McFarland train so heavy 
for the Pittsburgh Steelers last offseason that I thought he was going to be the answer for Matt Canada's offense, for Najee Harris' backup, probably play a little bit of slot, maybe a little bit of halfback. I thought Anthony McFarlane was going to be the secret weapon to the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense, and I preached that so hard, and then his knee got hurt, and I looked like a fool. I might look like a fool again at the end of all this, but right now I think that he is the only reason the Pittsburgh Steelers only added Jalen Warren and Monte Mateo Duran, excuse me, through undrafted free agents. Why else would you not add a running back at any point and then not even add a, a veteran running back to come in here and compete with these guys? It's not because of Benny Snell Jr. You're not getting any more out of Benny Snell Jr. in year four than you did in year three or year two, and he's been highly disappointing every single season. The Steelers understand that Najee Harris took a lot of wear and tear last year, and yeah, they're going to make him take a lot of wear and tear again this year, but they saw the effect that happens come week 17, week 18, and the playoffs. That's not something that you can do for a running back, not in an extended season, not even with Najee Harris. And that's going to get worse and worse as his career goes on. The Pittsburgh Steelers might not want him to be here for 15 years, but they certainly want him to be here for four or five, and that's not going to happen if they keep running them into the ground with no help at all. Anthony McFarlane is a guy that – meets everything that Matt Canada has been looking for. And he looked really good in training camp last year and in OTAs last year. And he looks like a key piece to this offense that could be used pretty much all over the place. And then he got hurt and he played in two games and did literally nothing. It wasn't a Derek Watt situation. A lot of people want to compare that to Derek Watt and say, oh, well, you know, they just use Derek Watt in training camp to fool everybody. And then they never do anything during the regular season with them. It never comes to fruition. I don't think that was the case with Anthony McFarlane. I got the vibe that Anthony McFarlane came in here looking really good and had really good feet, and then he got hurt, and he had a hard time bouncing back to 100%. And by that time, the Steelers wanted to let Benny Snell and Kalen Balaj be those guys. This year, I don't think they have an excuse. I think Anthony McFarlane's the reason that they didn't add any depth. I think Anthony McFarlane is the reason that – they haven't added somebody to compete with Benny Snell Jr. because they could look at Benny Snell and say, hey, you're a third down back on short yardage situations to get us a yard, and chances are that's going to be Najee Harris most of the time. So you'll just be in there a rare occurrence. Anthony McFarland could come in here and be a change of pace back, a guy that could catch the football out of the backfield, a guy that could do a lot of different things. I mean, you got to remember that there was a time where the Steelers put faith in a rookie Anthony McFarland to try and make a catch on fourth down to win a game. It didn't work, but they still had that faith in him. And in year three, they're not going to give up on him. Not yet. They have a lot of understanding in his talent. They have a lot of understanding in his potential and what he could be in an offense that works well with him. I think that's Matt Canada's offense. And I think that Anthony McFarlane is a guy that could come in here and really truly compete for the Steelers number two running back spot. That being said, I could be totally wrong and I could look at him again and just have such high hopes for that guy only to be let down. But last year, I don't think I learned my lesson. I don't think that was overhype. I don't think that was looking too high on somebody that nobody else saw being very high. I think that was a bad injury at the wrong time and being unable to bounce back and Mike Tomlin kind of giving up on you too soon. I don't think that's the case this year because there was no reason for the Pittsburgh Steelers not to add depth at the running back position.
Benny Snell ain't getting any better. Anthony McFarlane hopefully does. But Najee Harris can't touch the football 400 times again in 2022 and expect to make a playoff run with the Steelers. This is six, seven years in the making. Le'Veon Bell did it. Before that, I mean, you could go as far back as Willie Parker taking injuries because he's touching the ball too many times. The Pittsburgh Steelers have this thing where they run running backs into the ground. At some point, Mike Tomlin has to learn, if you're going to use a first-round pick on a guy like Najee Harris, you can't end his season before the playoffs. And that's what they tend to do. And last is Miles Jack. Devin Bush, you could say whatever you want about Devin Bush, but truthfully, Devin Bush has never had anybody next to him that is reliable as Miles Jack is. Vince Williams, a great inside linebacker. One of the guys that should go down and cement himself in Pittsburgh Steelers history as just a dude who fought his way through a very lengthy career, made contributions that should be recognized, was the second half to Ryan Shazier during Ryan Shazier's run. But if we're being honest, Devin Bush has not had anybody next to him that has the capability that Miles Jack has throughout his three years in the NFL. And if we're being even more honest, this is the first time that I look at Devin Bush and say he could reach his full potential and people are going to get really upset and go crazy about that statement. But he's never had somebody to say, okay, well, everybody's going to focus on Miles Jack. I just have to be Devin Bush. Before it was, everybody's going to focus on Devin Bush because the guy standing next to me is Robert Spillane. The guy standing next to me is Marcus Allen, Ulysses Gilbert III, Joe Schobert. There has never been anybody in Pittsburgh during Devin Bush's time that has been healthy for an entire season and played to the potential that Devin Bush plays to. Miles Jack has the same potential as Devin Bush. They're both guys that can make a huge impact on a game. Now, Devin Bush has to bounce back. I still think of all the time his quote saying, if you got bit by a dog, when was the next time you'd go hang out with a dog, pet a dog, whatever he said. I took that immediately as if you tore your ACL, when's the next time you'd go full speed on a football field? And that's not how you play football. This is a full contact sport and full contact means full speed at all times. And there were plenty of times last year where you saw him shy away from hits, move out of the way, really just go, 50% at most, that can't happen again. It definitely can't happen again. And I think the Steelers look at that and say, hey, we didn't pick up your fifth-year option because, truthfully, you didn't earn that fifth-year option. We don't know what we're going to get out of you. That being said, I think Devin Bush still has a lot of potential in the NFL, and I think he's somebody who could meet all the upside that he brought in with him. He just has to get over his ACL injury. That's a huge mental bridge to climb, but one that if he does and he does get over that wall – he could be a remarkable inside linebacker. I think Miles Jack helps that. So seeing how steady Miles Jack is early, seeing how reliable he is early, seeing how well he understands this offense or this defense early, seeing how well he meshes early is going to be huge. Last year, you saw it almost instantly that Joe Schobert just didn't click with this defense, that Joe Schobert lost a step and that maybe he looked really good on bad defenses because they were bad defenses. Miles Jack's been playing on bad defenses. I get that. But Miles Jack's got a ton of upside. He's got a ton of potential, and he's shown that in his NFL career. And I think that him next to Devin Bush could be a complete game changer for the former 10th overall pick, one that could revive his career, one that could create a bond between two inside linebackers in Pittsburgh that they've been looking for since the Ryan Chazier days. And I think Miles Jack, above 
almost anybody we've talked about so far could have the biggest impact on the Pittsburgh Steelers this season and moving forward, not just because of him, but because of what he does to the Pittsburgh Steelers defense and the people around him. 